Hi, everyone. Welcome to Humane Voices, the official podcast of the Humane Society of the United States. Carrie and Austin here talking about helping animals in crisis. Carrie, how are you doing? I see there's a little bit of a change in the background. Is that I'm doing okay. I actually came into our physical office for the first time since March. And man, it is very strange being here. It's like entering a time capsule. <laughs> um, every now and then I'll see one of our colleagues down the hall. At least, you know, like I think it's one of our colleagues because they're wearing a mask and I hope know. it's one of our colleagues and they probably hope it's me. Um, but so, I mean, it seems okay here, but it's just, it's very, very strange. It is nice seeing our, our, uh, our wall art. I'm going to tip up very briefly tip to see up. the, you know, there's, a, there's a chameleon in there somewhere, I think. So anyway, how are you holding up, Austin? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I've, I've hung up some, some wall art myself. That's probably the extent of the activities that I've done here. Um, but and you're not going to show it to us? Is it, is it no, not, not fit for podcasting? It's not a lot. It, it is. It is. <laughs> Here, here. You, I don't know if you could see it all the way at the end. There, oh, it's through the lights. Uh, oh the yes, I see a, climps, I right? see a blinding light that I'm yep, not going to go into. <laughs> it's yeah. So you see the climped, and it's like some asymmetrical. I've been like trying to be really fancy, and and all these people are like, yeah, that's crooked and that's wrong. So <laughs> I don't know if, I, if I did it right or not. But um, anyway, so yeah, that's same old, same old. But um, way more exciting than my wall art is our special guest for today's show. Um, Jessica Johnson, Senior Director of the Animal Rescue Team at the Humane Society of the United States. Yay! Woo! Jess, thank <laughs> you so much for, for chatting with us, for sitting down with us today um, to talk for a little bit. Hello, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, so I said, we said a little bit earlier, we're talking about, you know, animals in crisis. You are, you know, obviously your team's name sums it up fairly well, Animal Rescue Team, but... Could you expand a little bit on the work that you do, kind of, if it's not the day-to-day, -day, maybe the larger pro projects that you're working on and maybe what's coming up? Sure. So, so some of the stuff our, our team does, you know, of course, there's, there's uh, the day-to-day -day operations, but uh, in the middle of the day-to-day -day operations, we're always preparing for, uh, for larger operations. So we come in when the, basically when the resources outstrip the local community. So mm -hmm. if a... Okay city or county um, or a state even has a, a large-scale cruelty case or a disaster response and they don't have the equipment, um, the personnel, the finances, any of these resources in order to uh, appropriately handle their response, that's, that, that, that's when our team comes in. And we have um, a number of, of staff that, that have a, a, a wide array of different skills in um, uh, animal, animal crimes, evidence documentation, um, swift water, slack water certification for, um, for search and rescue efforts. So there's, there's a, a number of, of skills across the board that our team holds. Jessica, just out of curiosity, like, have you seen an evolution around, you know, like when you talk about like the communities that are, when, when you know, resources outstrip the community's capacity, like how often does that happen? And, and, and is it sort of, is it something that's evolved over time? Like, do you see more communities that are more prepared for disasters and large scale cruelties are fewer that fewer as, you know, budgets and such, you know, get cut and... Sure. So, so we pre-COVID, you know, we, there might, yeah. might be a different world after COVID that we that we may need to, to understand. But um, pre-COVID, absolutely, the, the communities are are learning mm. um, that they that they need to prepare before something happens. 
humans. So uh, whether that be a, a natural disaster or what we would consider a man-made disaster, which would be a large-scale cruelty case, um, animal fighting, a large-scale breeding operation, a hoarding operation, things like that. So we do a lot of, of, of training and proactive work in, mm. the, in the animal shelter and law enforcement community, just uh, you know, trying to, to spread the word that, that you need to think about how you're going to react to something before it happens, because in, inevitably you're, you're going you're gonna to stumble upon something. And if, if there's not a plan, then, um, then, it, then it's really challenging. Of course. So do you find that like the communities that are in like high, I mean, it's, it's silly to call them high disaster zones, but there are, are areas of the country that are more sort of regularly impacted by things like hurricanes, by things like tornadoes. Do those communities tend to be better prepared and sort of more used to running the drill and Absolutely. States like Florida, California, yeah. Texas, you know, they, um, they're, they're, they're used to it. States, states like um, Louisiana, they're used to it, but they're, mm. um, you know, they, 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 they have a more difficult time, mm. uh, you know, just because the, the flooding can be, be so severe. But, um, but yeah, so when we're talking about tornadoes, we're talking about, you know, our, our southeastern, you know, quadrant for our, um, for our Atlantic hurricanes, because there is a difference between Atlantic hurricanes and the Pacific hurricanes. So, um, but most of what we see is, is, is the Atlantic side. So you're talking mm -hmm. about Florida, Georgia, the Carolinas, sometimes all the way up to, you know, Virginia, Maryland, um, not as often. And then, you know, as you go west, you know, Louisiana, Mississippi, Texas, those areas for, for hurricanes. So, so how have things changed or how has your team adapted in these when you go into these states that are affected by natural disasters and some of these states are high risk for covid how does your how has your team been kind of responding to something like that yeah so we we haven't had a major response yet okay. I'm crossing fingers yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> because we're you know we're hoping that the, the hurricane season this year the atlantic hurricane season this year was predicted to be was predicted to be bad um and, you know however we're, we're hoping that that's um, that that's not going to happen and that we won't have a need to respond. It's 2020, um, so I think let's all do it like yeah. triple finger crossed. Like no if I had meteors. a third arm, I would be like yeah. a third, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but we, we've been doing a lot of preparing and, and talking about what that would look like. You know, how, how can we keep our team safe? How, you know, we, we certainly don't want to come into a community to help and bring something into that community either. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to think outside the box and think, you know, is, uh, um, are there local resources that we can tap into that we can provide some kind of training to or financial resources or um, equipment that can, you know, be provided to them and we can, you know, help them remotely over zoom mm -hmm. um yeah you know we're, we're trying to think if, if there's if there's ways to do that and obviously if if not and, and our team does need to deploy what what does that look like and you know how how can we how can we help and how can we be effective but also safe when is hurricane season usually i know you said atlantic but it, it does it shift <laughs> coastal yeah so uh, no so hurricane season is, is just hurricane season okay um, and it's from june 1st to november 30th so it's a solid half of the year yeah okay we're in it we're in it wow. right now yeah. okay yeah this is the time of year when everybody starts opening maps and the radar and being like oh no you stay right where you are you stay right where you are yeah so so that that is i mean that's hurricane season however this year we did see two named storms in may and this mm -hmm. is the sixth year in a row that we've seen named storms prior to this official start of hurricane season Ugh. when you're preparing for the, these big cases just is there a difference between how your team prepares for, you know, hurricane season, which is somewhat predictable, I guess, and you can sort of see it happening every year and you know kind of what the usual procedures are 
versus how you would prepare for a major cruelty case, a puppy mill case, a, a, a big seizure? Um, yes, yeah, there, there's obviously difference, um, it, much different responses, um, a, a number of different skills needed for, for a disaster response. There's a lot of, uh, it, it's, more, it's more search and rescue, it's more field work. You're out there, you're either in a boat, um, driving through neighborhoods in a boat, which is really mm. devastating to see, um, or you're you know, providing assistance in, in a shelter when, when folks are having to evacuate and they need to you know, take, take their animal somewhere or something like that. So it's, 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 it's much different um, and, and, and you know, a number of different skills involved. And, and we actually, we, we, there, there's a lot of time to prepare. Mm. You know, we, we know that hurricanes are coming. We never go in pre-storm because we don't want to add, you know, we don't want to add evacuees. We don't want to add, you know, potential victims. So um, typically we're called in, we're called in later for a hurricane. Mm -hmm. So we sit back and watch, you know, we, we try to reach out to groups that are um, shelters or law enforcement partners that are in harm's way and just let them know, hey, we're here. Let us know if you need anything. Is there anything that we can help you with beforehand to prepare? Um, and then afterwards is when, and sometimes it's weeks afterwards because the hurricane comes through, dumps a bunch of water. And then as the water starts draining, depending on where you're at and where the rivers are and, and et cetera, um, the water starts draining north to south. So mm. sometimes you're seeing flooding weeks later, depending on, depending on where it is. Sometimes it's three to five days later. So, um, so you really don't see the, the, the full impact until well after the, the hurricane has already moved its way through. Mm -hmm. And, you know, of course the, the government, um, officials will go in, you know, people, people come first. So they, you know, search and rescue for people. They want to make sure that, uh, that it's safe for responders to come in too. So, so usually the requests don't start coming in until, you know, until well after a hurricane has passed. Um, a, a cruelty case, a major cruelty case, we're, we're, we're pretty much ready to go. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, because that, that can happen at any time. There's often no warning. So we, we have a, a huge fleet and we have a lot of equipment that's stored in Nashville. Um, and when we're, you know, called in and, and asked for assistance for a large cruelty case, we try to work the, the pieces together. One of the most difficult things in, um, in coordinating a cruelty case and one of the most time consuming pieces is finding a place for temporary sheltering. Mm. If, um, you know, like I said in the beginning, we're, we're coming in when the, the needs outstrip the community. So these shelters usually don't have room for two, three, four, five hundred animals, depending on what you're looking at. Yeah. Um, so where are they going? Where are they going to go? Um, so we basically come in and we build a temporary shelter, which is, um, you know, we, we have uh, shelter staff that's really incredible at doing that. Um, but one of the hardest parts and one of the things when we talk about preparedness for, for cruelty cases as well is, again, think about it before you need it. So mm. are, there, um, are there buildings in the city or the county that aren't being used? Is there a fairgrounds, you know, that isn't being used? Maybe it's off season. We've used an old prison before. Mm. Um, so, you know, old schools that aren't being used. So th these are things that we, um, that we ask, you know, when we're training, ask people to start thinking about. Um, because if, if you don't have an idea of something to use beforehand, it's, it, it can, it can mm. be hard to find. Yeah. And there's a lot of adaptability and it seems like you, you, to the situation and to the context, both in the man-made design. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> There's the phone. Is that a hurricane calling? Cause that's if it is, it. hang it up. That's, that's. Hang just, it up, Austin. Okay, here we go. We're back. <laughs> um, one of the biggest questions that I think I hear a lot, I mean, Carrie, I don't, I don't know if you hear it as well, but 
there's a lot of people that are like, wow, you guys are amazing. You're in the field and you're doing a lot of this spectacular work that is, I mean, that it's really exciting to, to see and hear these success stories. And wow, you guys are, you know, in the field, real heroes. How can I get involved? I, I feel like a lot of people just go like, yeah, I can do this too. Mm. And I think there's a misconception yeah. there. So I want there's to a just, skill set involved yeah. here, people. <laughs> Seriously. You don't yeah. just get up going, yep, I can do this too. So yeah. can you, can you talk to that a little bit? Sure, sure. I mean, and there's, you know, most of the people on our team have been doing this for years. I've, I've been doing this for over 15 years myself. So we, we have, um, there's, there's a lot of experience that, that goes into this. You know, you, you touched on adaptability a little while ago. So some of it's, you know, personality wise too, you do mm -hmm. have to be adaptable. We start at plan A and we usually plan it and at plan double Z, um, <laughs> by the end of it, you just have to, you know, we just have to roll with the punches. Um, and and, you know, the, there is a misconception because, you know, when there's videos or pictures, you know, a lot of it's, you know, holding puppies or kittens or, you know, all these happy moments. And those are, um, those are wonderful no moments, but they're very small snippets of what actually happens. Yeah. So there's, um, there's a lot of logistics involved. So we need, you know, people that have really great logistics brains and can mm. figure that out people that know how to build, um, build a shelter. We have uh, veterinarians and vet techs um, that need that skill set for search and rescue. You know, we have um, folks that really need to be honed in on, on the safety aspect, safety officers. Um, so we have some retired firefighters on our team um, that, mm -hmm. that, you know, they didn't start out in the animal field, but they have a passion for animals. And they also have this really great um, past experience with, with firefighting and, you know, people safety. And, um, you know, we have, uh, we have a huge fleet. So we need people that can drive an 18 wheeler. You know, we need people that are able to drive a, a, a big dually with a, with a trailer on the back of it, whether it's loaded with horses or boats. Mm -hmm. um, so our crimes team has law enforcement experience. So they, they need to know how to process evidence, how to collect evidence, take photographs on the property, um, talk law enforcement through how to, how to prosecute an animal crime. And often we're providing expert testimony in a criminal case. So, you know, there's a comfort level of, of, of testifying there. So there's, um, there's so many pieces that, that go in that are behind the scenes that are, you know, really boring. People don't want to, people don't want to see that stuff because it's boring. Um, but there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, of pieces and, and skills that, that, that go into, into the final, final product. Yeah. I think that's such a good point, Jess. Yeah. I mean, I'm really glad you mentioned that just because, you know, I think we do, you know, for obvious reasons, like people love seeing the sort of sweet faces and, and, and the, the, the sort of bright eyes of the animals that you guys rescue. But there is so much that goes into that, that basically all those things you just described, whether it's the driving of the truck or the filing of paperwork or the collection of e evidence that leads to those moments where where an animal's life is saved. I mean, there's a massive amount of skills and work that goes into those tender moments that get captured on film. Or not really? film anymore, I guess. It's not film anymore, Carrie. Yeah. And, the, and those are our rewards. You know, the, those, yeah. those are the moments when we're, you know, we've, all of our hard work is, is paid off, you know, all of our years of experience, knowing what we're doing, knowing it's going to be a successful rescue, whether it's a disaster or a criminal case, you know, those are, th those are the re rewarding moments. And it's, you know, it's great to be able to, to share that. Um, but, yeah. but yeah, there is, there is a, a lot going on in the background. 
I know you mentioned the the sort of need when um, I, I really, really liked what you said about the, you know, when you're doing training in communities where you have the folks think about like, where could they set up uh, a, a temporary shelter? I think that's one of the things that I think is really interesting right now. And maybe you could speak to a little bit is, you know, personal preparedness. I mean, we're, since we're in the middle of hurricane season, I think there is still like, no matter how many times you sort of hear it, you kind of never think it's going to happen to you until it actually happens to you. And so, so if you, if you could sort of advise people about like what they should be doing, you know, if, if, whether they're in a hurricane zone or not in the hurricane zone, like what are the things that you sort of generally think just people in the general public, pet owners should be doing to make sure that their family is prepared if something serious happens? Absolutely. This is, this is one of our favorite things to, to talk about. So, um, so we talk about, about preparedness on, on multiple levels. And when you're talking about disaster preparedness, all of us should be prepared. You know, if, obviously, if you're in a hurricane disaster um, prone area, if you're in a wildfire prone area, mm. of course, of course, you know, please be prepared. But disasters can happen at any time. Our houses can catch fire. Um, at, you know, at, at, at any moment, you know, yeah. there, you know, thing, things can happen, um, or our tornado could, could hit pretty much anywhere throughout the country. Um, and, you know, all of a sudden you're having to evacuate and you have no home left. So, um, so we, we push disaster preparedness for everybody across the board. Mm -hmm. And what that means when you're um, talking about animals, so your dogs and cats, um, we, we recommend putting a kit together for at least five days, uh, depending on you know, how, how long you could potentially be, be away from being able to obtain supplies. But at least five days um, the, uh, over, the, over the weekend when um, they were looking at the, the hurricane hitting Hawaii, they were recommending that people pack supplies for 14 days. Mm, wow. So, so you know, that could really depend on what type of disaster and where you're living and what type of, of resources that you, you, you know, you could find, you know, post-disaster. So, um, but what that looks like if you have a cat, you know, or multiple cats, you know, a carrier for each cat, um, a litter box, litter scoop, you know, um, a, a certain amount of litter, um, five to seven days worth of food. If they're on medication, extra medications, um, print out any vet records you have. Every time you take them to the vet and have an updated vaccination history, print that mm -hmm. out. Um, and for dogs, it's, um, if you have small dogs, carriers as well, um, leashes, collars, uh, always recommend having a collar on your pet at all times with a, um, with a tag with, with your contact information. Uh, one other thing that we recommend uh, for our household pets, or well, all of our pets actually, is, is recent pictures of you with your pet. Mm. Take, take a bunch of selfies once a month, take some selfies, because if something happens and you end up getting separated from your pet and you, you can't find your paperwork, if, you know, if you've lost your house for, for something or something like that, and, and you, you don't have access to your paperwork. And this is something that we saw in California a couple of years ago for the campfires mm. um, that came through really quickly. People were at work. And it came mm. through yeah. remarkably and remarkably quickly. 90% of one of the towns was completely burned. 90%. The veterinary offices, the restaurants, the doctor's offices, homes, everything was gone. Mm. So if they had, if they were lucky enough to be able to, to have their pet, if their pet was able to get away from it, or if they were able to come home, scoop their pet and go, they didn't have records, but their veterinary mm. office was, was gone too. So they weren't able to get those records. So one thing that we um, always recommend is, is having, having photos of you and your pet, because mm. if that's the only thing that you have to identify that that's your pet, that's going to be really, really helpful in a, in a shelter environment. If something were to happen and you're, and you're trying to, to locate 
to locate your pet and prove that it's your pet. You know, there's a lot of um, pets that look similar out there. Um, so, you know, in order to prove it's your pet, you know, make sure you're getting not just one side, you know, make sure you're getting all sides. If there's, um, you know, a, a specific uh, mark on your pet that has a very unique shape or something like that, um, take pictures of that, write it down. If your pet's missing certain teeth, um, you know, if there's, if there's, you know, a different colored toenail or something like that, you know, take yeah, pictures yeah. of that and, and, and remember that because sometimes that's, that's what's needed to identify your, your pet in a shelter. Yeah, I've taken very close up shots of Floof's mama didn't love me tattoo. And I'm, I'm <laughs> expecting it'll be very useful if he's ever separated it from me. <laughs> um. That's a joke, people. I'm not, I did not tattoo my dog. Uh, I would never do that. I don't know. You got to shave under the arm and see the big mom tattoo <laughs> on the arm. No, I, uh, so is there, and, and is there, you know, gosh, it would be a nightmare if, if I was separated from my pet. I couldn't, couldn't even imagine, yeah. but you know, when there's, when there's insane flooding or something like that, and, and for some reason you are separated for your pet for two or three days or something, and your team comes in, how, how do you go about, you know, obviously you said some, you know, photos and recognizable things to reunite, reunite the pets and the owners. How do you identify that there are pets in the household? Are there signs usually that you recommend posting? Hey, I have two pets in the mm -hmm. house or, or what are things that you recommend for people just so that, you know, there's an outside group of people that are trying to look for pets too. Absolutely. If um, they, they, they do have the, those those stickers, you can put on your window if, yeah. if there's a certain number of pets you have in your home. Um, and and it, it depends when we're when we're doing search and rescue. And, and we also I, I want to put out there that we we never self deploy. We don't have jurisdiction anywhere, and that goes for natural disasters as well as cruelty cases. So we never self deploy. Uh, we have to be requested by the the local agency whoever has jurisdiction in that agency or i mean in that area um we have to be requested by them to come in so and this goes for for natural disasters too when when that happens so it, sometimes it's the state sometimes it's the county um and we uh so so we, we come in under them we're working under them it's not our operation we're there as as skilled um, animal, you know, animal people mm -hmm. to, to come in and help. Um, so sometimes in those situations, it's, a, it's, it's literally a search and rescue effort. So you're going, you know, from home to home, checking the homes, um, if you're able to open the door or go through a window or whatever. Um, sometimes it's, it's the people call in. Uh, a lot of folks that live in, in hurricane prone areas, they're, they're, not, uh, they're not used to having to be uh, evacuated for so long. For, for many years, pre-Katrina, uh, you know, hurricanes came all the time. People left their home for two or three days and they were back. Mm. Before Katrina, like it, 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 there, there wasn't really anything, um, anything that hit that had people gone for, you know, weeks sometimes at a time. So uh, a lot of people still have that mindset. So they, you know, they, they fill up their bathtub with water, they throw some food down, they evacuate, they think we're coming back in two days, it'll be fine. Um, and then they realize, you know, my, it's, everything's flooded. You know, I, I don't have a boat to get back to my house. Um, so they, they call into an emergency center or the animal shelter, whoever's running the, uh, the animal side of the operation, they'll usually set up some kind of phone number, dispatch area. Um, so some of it's people calling in and saying, oh my gosh, I had to leave my pet behind. And, you know, I just, I just try to go by my house and there's, you know, 10 feet of water and I can't get to my house, but my pets are inside. Can you help me? Can you go get them? Mm. Um, so sometimes it's specific calls and sometimes it's, it's, it's door to door. What about larger animals? That's what I was curious about. So like horses yes. and cows. Excellent and question. 
Yeah. Excellent question. And we have, um, we have disaster preparedness information on our website too. If you go on, uh, um, on our website and if you search disaster preparedness, there's, um, th there's a number of, of, um, pamphlets that, that talk about large animal and talk about what you need okay. for a dog and cat for your kit. Um, so that, that, that's certainly one tool, but one thing we recommend for large animals, and it sounds a little silly, um, but when something's coming, paint. You paint your name, whoever owns the horse, your name and your contact number, or if you can fit it, put your address on there, um, on, on the horse. We have to recommend, I, I mean, we have to, um, we have to remember if, if they're living in, in a barn or some kind of confined area, unlock it, open up mm -hmm. the gates, unlock everything. Because if, if something's happening, we want those animals to be able to run away. You know, normally, yeah. we, we, normally we don't want our animals to run away, right? But, yeah. um, but if something's coming and we can't get back there, we don't, you know, animals shouldn't be drowning in barns and, and yeah. things like that. And people think, oh, I'm going to lock them up. They're going to be safe. And then the water rises and there's no way for them to get out. Yeah. So, um, you know, remember, don't lock any animals up anywhere. Um, and for our, our large animal friends, um, they have some paint that's safe for them to, to put, put your, um, and it's, you know, waterproof paint. To, um, to, to put your name and contact information on there. Wherever that animal ends up, they should be able to contact you from there. That's great. So and then, then you're going to add a safe tattoo. Right. Yeah. <laughs> As opposed to a bad tattoo. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, livestock are, you know, are equine and they're, they're, very, they're difficult to evacuate. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, if, if you have a, a whole barn full of, you know, dozens of horses, it, there's not a whole lot of places they can go. So it's, um, so they... They, they tend to go to higher ground. They just yeah. need the ability to do so. Yeah, and that of course is just yet a whole other level of challenge when you get to factory farms and such. Yeah. yeah. Yes, that's a whole nother podcast. Yeah, yeah a, I know, exactly, episode. yeah. Carrie, a depressing what did, one. Yes. What did you want to ask, Carrie? What was your Oh, question? the thing I was just gonna say is just that, you know, like the animal rescue team are personal heroes of mine because one, oh, of, yeah. one of our two dogs uh, came from our, uh, our, one of the rescues that we did, um, I guess, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, um, there was a multiple, uh, a, a feral beagle pack that was part of a big case down in uh, Virginia. And we got one of the runty feral beagles who immediately has expanded to become a very large house, house friendly beagle um, who, who just, you know, like her runtiness disappeared within hours, basically, and she assumed the proportions that beagles prefer to pre prefer to have, which is large. <laughs> yeah. um, but you know, she has she definitely is a is a huge part of our lives, and um, so we have we have two different dogs who've come from various cases, but the animal rescue team was directly involved in us getting Lucy, so we're very happy about that. No, oh, thank you. We love we love hearing those stories. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I'm echoing Carrie. I love you guys so much. <laughs> I, I look, I look up to a lot of the stuff that you do. So it's really, really cool that we got to have you on the, on the show today to talk a, a little bit about the, the immense amount of work that you do and how you help this organization. So, yeah. And let's all cross our fingers. No yeah. bad hurricanes. I mean, honestly, this is going to be the year where we would actually expect a possible sharknado so yes. let's just hope no sharknados <laughs> no shark no canes no no, no none of that none of yeah. that yeah exactly yeah exactly. none of that um yeah um all right well uh jessica thank you so much jessica johnson again senior director of the animal rescue team at the humane society of the united states it was so fun thank you so much for joining us we really appreciate you being on the show today just to talk to us about a little bit uh of what we can do to help animals in need Sure. And Thank normally so we say uh, stay safe, but instead we'll say 
thanks for keeping other people safe. Yes. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> thanks. Yeah. And, thanks. and for everybody listening too, just the questions that you should be asking after this episode. Are you prepared? Do you have a disaster kit ready? Are you emergency prepared? Because in the event of an emergency, you cannot run over all around the house and, and get stuff ready. So like Jessica said, humanesociety.org has a resources page and they have a disaster prep kit and tips and suggestions to get you prepared and feeling comfortable in the event that anything cross our fingers is not going to happen, but might happen. So please uh, head to humanesociety.org. You know where to find us and head to the disaster kit for sure. So yeah, that's all we have for today's show. Thanks again, Jess, for, uh, for joining us. Sure. Thank you guys. <laughs>